Welcome back to Menopause Mastery. Today I'm talking to Dr. Sam Rakshat. And Dr. Sam is the co-founder and CEO of the award-winning sexual health company called Mystery Vibe. And their mission is to make sexual health accessible to all across all ages, genders, and orientations. And so today we're going to get into some, some often taboo subjects, um, the idea of sexual pleasure, how to use vibration devices and other devices to improve sexual pleasure and sexual function. And even more importantly, you know, if... If you look at our lifespan 100 years ago, we, we averaged up to about 57 years as a woman, about I think it was around 53, 54 as a man. So a lot of the experiences that we have as we age are somewhat new experiences because of our life expectancy. But one of the biggest relationship causes for breaking up a relationship is changes in sexual desire and sexual function. And then we have all these other things like pelvic floor pain, um, urinary incontinence, erectile dysfunction that also affects us as we age. Age. So these devices are biomedical devices, and they can actually help with some of those medically, um, you know, describable and medically diagnostic problems. So beyond just having a lot more fun in the bedroom, these devices can actually help you have better pelvic urinary function. And so we're going to get into all of that. We're going to talk about how to use them, what different devices are there, what they're used for both medically and also for pleasure. And I would say pleasure is also a medical condition if you're not having it. So at the end of the day, we're going to get through all of that. And then we also had a really good conversation about how to open the door to have a conversation with your partner when maybe you're feeling a little bit vulnerable and the fear of rejection is a little bit high. So we're also going to help you maybe open the door to these conversations as well. So join me on Menopause Mastery with Dr. Som. Welcome to the Menopause Mastery Podcast, a show for women just like you who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, living life with a purpose. I created this show because I knew that women just like me in this second season of life, the season of menopause, are really tapping into their deepest desires. And we're ready to harness our physical and mental health and explore what our true passions are and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what we want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, part magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking the complex science and making it easier to integrate into daily life. So let's join the journey to make this season the best ever. Welcome back to Menopause Mastery. And Dr. Sam, so we have to get into this topic because, um, you know, women's sexual pleasure, the whole idea of sexuality is such a uh, taboo topic that everybody sort of their hair stands up on the back of the neck as soon as as soon as you bring it up. So I'm so excited to talk to you about your company, what you do, the research out there. But I love I always love hearing people's story about how we ended up where we are professionally and personally. So tell me tell me a little bit about your story and your trip to Mystery Vibe. So um I think it all started with my PhD because I was um I was doing my PhD in a very different part of uh medical in ophthalmology in biomedical engineering where I was working with eye doctors uh, to create uh devices to recognize eyes. So uh, so I was always very excited about the the merger of medicine and engineering and what can be done working with specialists, learning from their fields, and then bringing in our expertise in engineering and creating devices which can help with whatever it is that we are focusing on. So uh, so after that, um, once that project finished and, uh, and, and it ended up becoming a really 
uh, nice um, company which uh, helped with iris recognition. Uh, this is back in the day in 2004 when it was very nascent. Now everyone looks at their phones and unlocks it by looking at uh, a camera, you know, but back then it was such a new thing. So, um, and, and seeing that happen uh, over the course of four or five years was very exciting. And um, after that uh, got acquired by a company, we um, we felt like we wanted to do something else in biomedical. Um, and it took us a while to figure out. We all, um, the whole team, we all uh, went on to do different work. Uh, my co-founder left to work in Nokia. I left to uh, work in Deloitte. Um, so we all had corporate jobs. Uh, also, we wanted to learn business because that's something you don't really learn in a PhD. You obviously spend all your time on researching and focusing on the tech and the science and the engineering, but not really about business and management. So, so that's something I really wanted to learn. And seven years later, uh, and with lots of conversations in between, we decided to start our next biomedical company in uh, uh, in gynecology and urology, sexual health, because that seemed to be the biggest thing that everyone talked about, especially after major life events. So after having a kid or having menopause or uh, just aging and um, arteries getting thinner, uh, you know, because of uh, cholesterol, which is just a matter of uh, diet often. And um, all of these lead to uh, significant changes in your sex life and you lose that mystery in the bedroom, which is why we call it mystery. How can we as a company help bring mystery back into the bedroom after menopause or after prostate cancer or after, you know, not just generally, you know, being together with someone for 10 years, uh, how, how can you spice up the relationship again? So that's the core of what we do. And the, the, the way we do it is uh, devices and conversations. So, you know, devices which are designed by doctors to help with blood flow, blood flow to help with arousal, dryness, uh, or pain relief, erections, you know, whatever it is that uh, blood flow can help with, and equally conversations on how to start uh, that discussion with your partner uh, or even with yourself. Like, you know, this is an issue that I want to tackle and I don't want to ignore it. Um, so that's step one is yourself, talking about it with yourself, doing something about it, and then talking about it with your partner and then doing something about it. So, so it's it's a uh, it's very much equally important the content the conversations as the devices and the solutions. So so yeah, that's the backstory. I I love the name of your company. You know, bring the mystery back to the to the bedroom and and the sexual part of relationships because that is I mean it's a significant part of the relationship. And when that either goes stale or is no longer part of the relationship for whatever reason, there's a big part of intimacy that is gone. And I think mm. yep. You know, knowing what I know in, in my age group, you know, especially women and men over 50, we have probably one of the highest rates of divorce. And a lot of it, when you start to talk to the individuals, this is a linchpin in their relationship. And often part of the dysfunction is different desires, different sexual pleasure. And then, you know, for women, when we go through menopause, we have so many significant changes to our body that often arousal and desire is low. <laughs> and then it's uncomfortable unless you're doing other things to help out. So let's let's get into it. So, you know, the first thing I, I when you were describing your uh, company and, and where you came from, it's important to note that we're talking about vibration devices and other devices to help with sexual health that come out of bioengineering and biomedical sciences. Because I think a lot of people think these are these weird things that you get from some, some sketchy store, <laughs> you know, down in a sketchy part of town. So, you know, how long has biomedical really been really looking at 
helping in this arena. It sounds like it's fairly new. And it's fairly new. So it's uh, I would say the last two decades um, has been uh, where engineering and medicine in sexual health has got together. So the oldest piece that I know that are, so we work with the head of urology at King's College in London, uh, Professor Das Gupta, he's our chief medical officer. And the reason I mentioned that is because he started working on vibration uh, 30 years ago. Um, but uh, very much from an academic perspective is looking at vibration to help men with passing urine if they were having difficulties. So quite specific, but then he's researched on it with uh, engineers um, over the last dec- uh, three decades to see how generally engineering can help and which is why when we got together um, it, it was a really good fit because he obviously is a very uh, famous surgeon but he wanted to get engineers to help him bring uh, his vision to life of um, all that knowledge about vibration frequencies about uh, locations in the body where the vibration needs to be delivered. Um, and there is uh, evidence on this for over a 100 years, um, uh, going back to uh, doctors who, uh, there's a movie about this called Hysteria, who created uh, technically the first electromechanical vibrator um, to solve their, um, uh, their the challenge of using the hand and getting tired or even, you know, having... Um, pain um, because they, before that they would use the hand to uh, stimulate the uh, woman and um, and that was a hundred years ago and there has been very detailed literature over the years about frequencies about locations on vibrations and that's really what we based our uh, products on is existing research to start with and then uh, and obviously a feedback from lots of different uh, specialties of medicine uh, urology andrology gynecology uh, pelvic flow therapy, uh, just a wide range of input to create the devices. Uh, but ultimately, what really made the devices um, effective was the studies and trials afterwards. So, so the research and the theory helped us create what is version one. Right, and version one was good, but you know it's only that good that still it's been used by people uh, lots and lots of people. And now. Uh, nine years later, so we've been doing this for nine years. Um, uh, we have, so, so like our most successful uh, medical trial was on genital pelvic pain and penetration pain, which is a huge topic. Um, and that showed a 5x improvement uh, on average across the entire patient population who tried it uh, by using it three times a week for 12 weeks. And, and that's the kind of results that we strive towards is something that would change your quality of life um, because that much improvement in pain means you would live before that pre the study you'd be living with pain as a constant thing and then post 12 weeks you wouldn't experience it uh, or you wouldn't experience it in day-to-day life so um, so that's kind of what we aim for and then similarly on a rectal dysfunction device um, it, we focused uh, the study that is published we focused on Cancer recovery, so colorectal cancer often uh, leads to um, the, the surgery after colorectal cancer often leads to nerves getting cut and uh, not being able to naturally get erect again. So the patients we started with had severe ED, um, uh, a score of like seven, a very low score in the IIEF erectile function score, 
And then by the time, it was only five weeks by the time they finished the study, um, they were at 15, which is very mild ED. Um, so again, you know, that is the kind of stuff we are always uh, working towards. And uh, the same with arousal disorder, which is the most relevant one, uh, especially uh, during and after menopause, uh, arousal and wetness. And the uh, that study, uh, again, over 12 weeks, showed a 2x improvement in arousal um, using three times a week. So, so that's the kind of um, things that we, we, we get from the studies, which is basically at the... So I, I, I like to think of it as the... It's not the last step, the studies. It is the last step for that device, but then the study should, one, you know, help and prove efficacy, but two, tell us what we can do to make the next device a little bit better and then a little bit better. And it's a constant improvement. Um, so, you know, in another 10 years, we can say the devices that we started 20 years ago and now deliver even more um, improvements than they did 10 years ago. It's like, how can we constantly improve it? So, so yeah, so sorry to uh, answer your question uh, uh, more. So, uh, we, uh, it's a very interesting point. Um, we try to make it as fun and sexy to look at, uh, even our website and, you know, everything. Even though these are FDA class two medical devices, they're designed by doctors, they go through trials. Um, but then we try to not make them clinical or medical looking. Because if, let's say, imagine, um, if they were, you know, like steel dilators, they might be very effective, but you may not want to use them unless you go to a doctor and the doctor says you must use them. You know, it's not something you want to do on your own. And, and you probably can't do it on your own anyway. So the, uh, and, and again, this is not something we came up with. It's something, uh, the doctors we talked to in the early days, um, they said the biggest challenge in sexual health is 80% or more people who struggle with some sexual health issue never go to see a specialist or a clinician or even know what that issue is. And if you make it clinical, it will sit in some clinic, yes, but you will never reach 80%. Right. right. Like not like even something as simple as pelvic floor therapy, most moms after childbirth don't go to a pelvic floor therapist. So if we create a device which only certain pelvic floor therapists know about, no one will ever or very few people will ever be able to access it. So that was a very big part of creating the brand and making it uh, fun and approachable. So you could buy it just like you would buy a toy, um, but, uh, but the purpose was medical. So so yeah, it is um, to look at, uh, to read about like a pleasure device. And that's the goal, um, even though it's a medical product. And the closest uh, analogy are condoms. So like if you see an ad for a Trojan condom, it would be all about having fun. You know, not, they, they wouldn't say, you know, this is made of this material and it's FDA and which is all true, but it doesn't matter, right? That's not the point. It's not that, yeah, it's a medical device. And the point is you use a condom and you have fun with it. And the marketing and the branding and everything you see is about having fun. And that is the biggest thing about sexual health is unlike any other medical field where being serious is important at every other medical field you can think of a doctor is serious about the device or the solution there you know they will talk about its technicalities but in sexual health it's opposite you have to be very you have to make it very fun and approachable for people to adopt it and introduce it into the bedroom and a huge part of that is um, not everyone wants to admit if they have any problems. Uh, like a lot of the 
male customers we talk to, they say we don't really want to talk about erection difficulties to our partner. And then we say if you introduce this product as the one to stimulate your partner rather than stimulate yourself, then it's a much easier conversation. If you don't want to have the conversation about your erection difficulties, then you say, you know, I want to use this to stimulate you, um, which is much nicer uh, as a uh, as, as a conversation starter than saying, you know, I'm having erectile dysfunction, uh, which many men don't want to talk about. Yeah, I do. I do think, you know, the the stigma and just the the kind of discomfort about admitting things change in our, our bodies sexually, as especially as we get older and just the fear around discussing it. You know, I think the sad part is, is I'm sure gyno urologist and, you know, your uh, OB-GYNs probably talk about it. But I, I would, you know, I, I would say part of the problem is primary care probably needs to learn more about having these conversations because it is part of the healthcare paradigm. So, you know, hopefully your message gets out there and, you know, people like us talking about it all the time helps at least the patient ask about it and ask about options. So let's talk about the the indications, like especially what are the things people should look for where this would be a medical need? Obviously, it can be very fun in the bedroom to play with these devices and to use them. But what what are the big sexual health issues that they need to watch out for? So, um, just focusing on menopause generally, uh, I can talk about the other uh, areas as well to give you a good idea. So with menopause, the main things we look at is uh, arousal disorder um, and dryness, which is, uh, which is often linked. And um, the so the tricky thing is, it's not something we would um, we would be able to recommend or diagnose. Like it's not something we do. So yes, if you um, if your doctor tells you that you need some kind of help with your dryness, you need some kind of help with your arousal, then that's when we come in. And equally, if you have been searching and you find the information that you're looking for online, because there's lots of really good content like on WebMD, Mayo Clinic, et cetera, where you get those um, information and it says uh, like a very simple solution, lube, for example. Um, and then obviously you need to find what lube is right for you because it's about, um, you know, skin uh, type, etc. So loops and vibrators generally, if they, if you already know from however, whether it's just by your own research or listening to podcasts, um, talking to doctors, if you know that those are the kind of solutions you're looking for, that's where we come in, as in the solution is vibration and loop. Here are the options you have. We write about loops uh, and we explain you know, our different vibrators, what they do. Um, so, for example, maybe you're not that keen to insert anything because it hurts, right? And you want to do, do something externally. So, one of the vibrators we have is called Legato and it is purely a labia vibrator. So it sits on the outside and, and you don't, and it has a big opening so you can still have penetrative sex while having that on. Um, but Again, you know, if you like the device I was telling you about, which I can quickly show you. So this is the erection device. So what it does, the front bit is purely for uh, simulation. So if the uh, the partner is wearing it and during intercourse, the penis would go in with the all of that. It's a very high power vibration on the labia. So they get a lot of uh, simulation. So maybe that's what they want. 
for their labor discrimination. It's uh, worn by the man, uh, and they feel the um, uh, the vibrations get aroused, get wet. Um, legato is similar to that. Uh, crescendo goes in. It's very much a it's like two fingers. It goes inside and that's exactly where you need the stimulation. So, so that's kind of uh, it's. Um, so yeah, I like to think of it as two steps. Uh, figure out from somewhere whether it's from a specialist or from your own research. Um, what is it that you would like to solve? You know, dryness, arousal, etc. Um, then what the options are, um, and then if the solutions are loops and vibrators, that's where we come in. But then there are obviously other things, HRT, etc., which means that you know, everything needs to be considered equally. Because um, we we are not, you know, we would never say uh, this is the solution because that's not what we do. Um, so our goal is really to be driven by medical professionals telling people um, these are the solutions that exist and then we are one of many solutions and our specialization is how do we make it very effective. So if vibration is the solution, how can we deliver the best frequency clinically proven in the best way so you get that in the right point on your body which would have the most impact. Impact. So that's that's really what we do. That's great. You know, I because often I may hear from, let's say, a woman who may not be in a relationship right now. And it's like, I, I don't <laughs> no, I don't need to use anything like that because I'm not in a relationship. And it's it's interesting because I do ask about sexual activity, sexual health. What's it like? And, you know, I think women in this age group often start to feel like they're invisible. Right. Because they've lost a little bit of the sexual desire and urge. And so it could be something as simple as as helping you feel more sexually alive, more feminine, if that's how you you define yourself. But I, I think it's really important to look at some of the other things that um, these devices like yours also help with that are very medical problems like pelvic floor pain and vulvar pain and um, urinary incontinence. Talk about that because then that that really takes it and says, okay, if even if you're uncomfortable about talking about using this in the bedroom, most women will say, we joke over 50, no jumping jacks right? because because there's a high risk for urinary incontinence. So so talk about those things because I think that's Let's, let's talk about pelvic, pelvic floor therapy. It's, just, uh, it's because it's the area we started with. That was the very first thing back in uh, 2012, uh, 2013. So the first thing we started working on was um, mums, new mums, you know, uh, pain after childbirth. Uh, what was the current solution and which still is the current solution is uh, using two fingers. The therapist would uh, reach inside the vagina, massage the areas to uh, alleviate pain or, uh, or address scar tissue. Um, so what we created with this... This one um, is literally a two-finger device, yeah, which bends. It literally is the same thickness and the same width. It's identical, the two fingers. And then the uh, there's two things. One, the therapist can bend it and reach exactly where they need, yeah, okay. in in the ways that in the ways that they want to deliver at the right point. Or, and this is the best bit, is the therapist could train the user, or they could get trained, you know, watching a video or reading a book um, on how to use it themselves. And that's where the difference is. Because imagine, uh, you know, a mom with a young kid doesn't have much time going to a therapist, you know, that it's probably like a two hour thing uh, out of a day, which she hardly has any time. And it's also expensive. And if she has to go to a therapist every week, um, time and money becomes an issue. So, so this was created by therapists 
to help people who either have no access to PTs because there just isn't any in their area, or even if they did, they don't have time or money to go. So, uh, and really all it does, again, so simple, is it acts like a finger that you reach inside and vibrate at the right frequency, which you just set on the device, turn it on, and you select a frequency, and um, and make it as weak or as intense as you want, uh, based on how you feel. So it's really designed to be super user-friendly, um, they can use it without needing any um, expert assistance. There, there's a book. We have a visual book uh, we send with the device, which has pictures and uh, in angles and everything. So um, it just makes it super easy for people to use. It's a pelvic floor therapy. Um, that, that's what this is about. Uh, on uh, valve pain, so we have another device, which is a smaller device which um, has been going through a very big clinical trial with NHS, which is uh, in the UK, the National Health Service, the government's healthcare. And it's been three and a half years, so it will finish soon. And that one is on Valvodunia, Valvodunia and uh, and it already has very good results, so that should get published later this year. And, um, and it's just a very small device that you can hold um, either you know, on your own or during intercourse uh, on, on the vulva and labia and uh, alleviate pain. So, so that's another one. Um, and penetration pain, again, uh, very much going back to uh, dryness, for example, um, either external or internal vibration. So internal, this would be the ideal one just because you can be very precise. External, it could either be the one worn by the partner so you get full 360 vibration on the outside or um, the other device, legato, which just sits at the entrance and vibrates the whole labia. Uh, to create. I mean, all of it is exactly the same fundamental, which is uh, generate fresh blood flow in an oxygenated blood coming to the area, increasing arousal, uh, reducing pain. And um, and that's all vibration does. And it's no different from, let's say, a Theragun on your back. You know, uh, it's very much the same theory. It's just much higher intensity, higher frequency when it comes to Theragun um, and back, um, whereas it's much gentler and softer when it comes to genitals. You know, so you brought up a good point that it's all about kind of vibration and blood flow, because I think a lot of people don't really recognize. I know we do medically, but I don't think a lot of people recognize that a lot of the sexual dysfunction that we get may be driven by hormones and other things. But there's also blood flow problems because of vascular concerns. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Yes, uh, that's actually a really good point, because the easiest way to relate to it is Viagra. Because Viagra was discovered to be a heart medicine and to help with increasing blood flow. Um, and they discovered the side effect of erections just through studies. And then it became a, uh, an erectile dysfunction drug. But even now, if you look at, you know, when you do a questionnaire to buy Viagra, the first thing they'll ask you is, do you have any heart conditions? And if you do, you can't take it because it's just increase your blood flow. So, uh, so all it does, like uh, a medicine like Viagra, is um, increase blood flow to the to the whole body. So, you know, uh, one of the side effects is headaches. Um, and as a result, uh, the erection is stronger and lasts longer because you have a lot more uh, blood. So the uh, with vibration, like uh, with Viagra, the key thing is still stimulation and, and increasing blood flow. Um, but having said that, the biggest challenge is when there are genuine issues like clogged arteries, you, then 
there is only that much you can do to increase blood flow. Um, so, so that's why when, when we uh, develop our products, we aim for say 80% success rate. Cause if we get there, we'd be very happy. Like Viagra has a 70% success, 30, 30% of men are not allowed to uh, take Viagra for health reasons. So, you know, if we can get to 70, 80%, we're very happy because we know that it wouldn't solve everything. Right. Uh, so we, we, it will, yeah, in theory, it will increase blood flow, but then if the arteries are clogged for what, like cholesterol, for example, to such an extent that you can't really do much, or there is physiological damage during, say, prostatectomy after prostate cancer, uh, maybe, you know, it is a lot, uh, the, the route to recovery is a lot longer, um, with the nerves detached. Uh, when the prostate is removed, uh, because the nerves go just above the prostate. So, um, yeah, no, the, the honest thing is that it will, it won't work for everyone. Uh, but we constantly strive, and this is why the studies and feedback is so essential. It helps us make it a little bit better every time so we can capture a bit more of that percentage. So, uh, more people see a, a significant change, um, after using it. You know, I, I, you know, I've had quite a few patients over the years that have gone through a removal of their prostate. And, you know, as, as a woman, of course, I don't know what that's like, but how, you know, how much it changes urination, mm-hmm. sexual function, all those things. It is, it is a pretty significant, you know, surgery for somebody to go through. And I, it never would have occurred to me that vibration could really help a lot of those symptoms. I know as a female, there's it, something even better, which is prevention. I mean, this is not clinically proven. So this is more anecdotal. Uh, the, uh, the theory is that if the prostate is regularly stimulated over your lifetime, your chances of getting prostate cancer are lower. Yeah. And the idea is that the prostate is a gland, gland that secretes um, fluids, right? And if you release it by stimulating the prostate, obviously the uh, secretions get released. Um, if you release the secretions, and this is, uh, established that it just improves prostate health. And that is a fact. So if you regularly stimulate the prostate and you, um, release secretions, sorry, um, you will improve prostate health. Now, there is no clinical proof that it reduces the chances of prostate cancer, but improving prostate health should, in theory, make your prostate better and uh, reduce the chances of cancer. Um, so the the uh, new product that we're working on is a single finger, literally, uh, because that is what a clinician, urologist, whoever it is who's looking after your prostate would do. That's literally it. They wear a glove and put some lube, insert it, and check your prostate. Right. So we are designing a product not too dissimilar from this, but literally just one finger wide, um, with a big thread base and very bendy and very soft that, uh, you as a, as a user, the person can do it themselves. They can insert it very gently, uh, very, uh, comfortably, uh, reach their own process. And there's a big, uh, powerful vibration and they can, uh, simulate it. And with the goal that it is not that scary experience that men avoid. And the biggest reason, uh, men who die of prostate cancer die because they didn't get checked early enough. And that is it. Like there is no reason that someone should die from prostate cancer if it's caught early 
because they you can simply remove the process, which obviously is not good for quality of life, but it definitely stops you from dying. So if they hadn't had their exams, you know, forever, and then they find out and it's too late, that's really sad. Whereas if they have an annual checkup, which is what uh, here, say, I think 50, when you turn 50, you get a letter from the government every year saying you must do your annual checkup for your prostate. So if you do that, very unlikely that you will die from prostate. You will still get it. You know, if you're going to get it, you should get it. But, uh, you know, it's very unlikely you'll die. But most men are so scared of that one thing. It's only like we're talking about five minutes of their of the entire year of having a doctor put a finger in their anus that they just don't do it. And then sometimes it's too late. So one of the goals for us is um, making that a pleasurable. Again, going back to the point of how do we make very clinical things um, sexy so people actually want to do it and they make it you know, something fun and they, because that's the only way they will do it. If it's painful and scary, they will do everything to avoid it. So our goal, apart from, you know, making sure that these are actually effective devices and you can deliver genuine medical benefit needs to be incredibly user-friendly and fun for people to want to use it on their own without having to be told by a doctor, you must use it. So, uh, so the prostate cancer piece is very interesting. Um, I don't know whether we'll ever be able to, because this is like we're talking about a 10-year, 20-year study, whether we'll be able able to prove that regular stimulation or process leads to lower cancer. Um, if that can be clinically proven, that would be significant you know, in terms of um, just changing the way people think of prostate. Uh, because there's this uh, huge difference between uh, heterosexual men and gay men, where heterosexual men just avoid anything to do with innocent rectum and prostate. Um, and, uh, and, and there is anecdotal study which surveyed post-prostate cancer survivors and the percentage of gay men in that cohort was very small. Um, just, and obviously, you know, there could be many reasons for that, but, uh, one of them could be that gay men have regular prostate stimulation and as a result have healthier so, um, so it's a fascinating area, which is a very new area. Prostate cancer wasn't really um, talked about till like 50 years ago, um, because prostate cancer is an aging-related issue. Um, you're more likely to have it in your 70s, 80s, 90s than in your 40s and 50s. And and I, I imagine 100 years ago, the life expectancy wasn't much above 60. So. If you didn't live beyond 60. So as a uh, man at 50, you'd have to start, uh, ideally, that's what uh, NHS here in the UK says, is uh, you must uh, get your annual prostate check. And that's really key because if you leave it too late uh, and the cancer spreads, uh, that might mean you know you die from it. So the, uh, and, and, and uh, I don't know if uh, you've read about this, the uh, study on um, uh, just a post-prostate cancer recovery uh, survey that was run uh, a few years ago showed the majority of the uh, participants were heterosexual and uh, prostate cancer is much smaller in the gay community simply because or the assumption is that um, they have regular prostate stimulation which leads to better prostate health. So that's something which would be fascinating if it can be proven uh, as a very long-term 20 years long study where, um, where, where we monitor men who have regular prostate simulation and monitor men equally 
who don't have any prostate stimulation and whether, um, you know, at some point uh, when we look at the prostate cancer population amongst that whole group, um, whether there is a very direct correlation between men who have prostate cancer uh, and having uh, regular prostate stimulation. So it is just such a um, fascinating topic simply because um, it is a new area and it is uh, by far the most common cancer in men. Um, and uh, the longer we live, and especially if life expectancy becomes 100 on average by the end of this century, this would become definitely the biggest topic because the older we are, the more likely to have prostate cancer. Yeah, so I, I think, remember. Uh, yeah. I remember somebody saying that, like, if if a man is over eighty, he's going to have, you know, the likelihood is he's going to have some level of prostate dysfunction, if yep. not prostate cancer, just because it's an aging process. It's an aging thing, yes, exactly, yeah. Uh, but that's the thing I would love to prove is it doesn't have to be right, and um, everyone assumes it's inevitable because the amount of prostate stimulation is very limited. So, what if there is proof that? If you stimulate your prostate regularly, you don't you you reduce your chances of prostate cancer massively. So I think that study would be significant. Yeah. So let's let's talk about ways in which people can have because like you were you've kind of brought it up several times to sort of make this playful in the room, sort of bring it into the relationship as part of the sexual experience rather than a medical device that you have to use clinically three times a week. So what are, obviously you make aesthetically pleasing devices. So they not only do what they do, but they're also, they don't look highly clinical. You know, what, what are some of your suggestions? I know you probably have some even on your website on how to bring it up, you know, with your partner, what would you say? This is such a exciting topic. I I love this one. Um, We get the most interesting questions from, uh, all over the world who reach out to us and you know ask us questions about how do I talk about this and and often it is far more complicated than uh, the health stuff and like I remember someone from Algeria once contacted us saying um, I'm in a heterosexual marriage this was a woman in a heterosexual marriage and she had always uh, fantasized about other women and she wanted to know how to talk about it with her husband that she would love to you know introduce another woman uh, or try you know something and, and Algeria is a very conservative country. So, I mean, we've written loads of pieces about it. And um, because we are a big fan of action-oriented writing, you know, like something you can actually read and do something, not just read for theory, theoretical purposes. But equally, we want to make sure it is incredibly safe, you know, for the person. So, uh, so uh, th- uh, this is a this is an example which can translate to anything. So we say, find an article, no, find a newspaper that you and your partner uh, respect. Okay, uh, it's something that it's it's not silly, you know, not like um, not like Playboy, which can be fun, but you don't respect the content in it. You think it's nice and cool and funny to look at, but if someone wrote an article, maybe you wouldn't take it that seriously. Yeah, like a health article. Okay. Um, equally, you might think, you know, New York Times, if it's written, is done properly with lots of journalism and lots of research, etc. So um, whatever that newspaper is, like here at BBC, uh, you know, whatever it is, ideally find that and the topic. So threesomes, you know, like if I'm here in London, I would say threesomes, BBC, and see what articles have been written on New York Times, threesome, right? If that's what I'm looking for, once I find it, then I would share it with my partner and uh, I wouldn't say anything positive or negative because we want to keep it very safe, right? And that's the biggest worry. The biggest problem with conversations is the fear of rejection. And most people are scared of fear of rejection and they don't talk about things they should really talk about. 
with their partner. If you share an article from a newspaper, which you read anyway, that's very easy, right? You share it, you say, oh, this is, I, I came across this. Uh, it's interesting that New York Times is writing about precepts. That way, if your partner says, oh, this is very cool, then you know it's positive and you can take the conversation further. But if they say, oh my God, this is terrible, you know, oh, the world has gone to shit, <laughs> then you know that this is not something you should venture into. So, um, so we, and this is through years and years of, you know, research and lots of, uh, uh, cohorts, uh, studies, uh, feedback from, uh, sex therapists, relationship coaches is how do we, how do we help people with really simple things that they can do immediately? They don't have to go and, you know, uh, spend weeks on uh, research or whatever. They, they can do it immediately. Um, and that is the, the starting point, the inception. Um, and, you know, so extending that to any topic you can think of, whether it's um, a use of sex toys in the bedroom, you know, it itself is a topic, use of lubes in a bedroom, bedroom. Um, or uh, even going to a doctor to talk about a problem. Literally any topic that there is a barrier in your mind to talk about um, is... Uh, so I'll give you a very basic example. Let's say um, you want your partner to do a fertility test, okay? Um, and you're you know not sure... Uh, what's the issue when tr you're trying to get pregnant and you're like, how do I tell him that I want him to do a fertility test and then you're like you know what he loves reading TechCrunch and there is this article about a fertility startup right and you share that like oh wow look there's a, a cool startup which has raised 200 million um, and they're they have this little kit and immediately you get your results and it's so cool um I mean, you can just say, you know, it's interesting and then see whether uh, he, he is interested in, uh, in that. So it, like every topic can be approached this way in a very safe way. So it's a very, um, it's like a playbook, you know, trusted newspaper for that person. For, you know, for that person, TechCrunch might be the newspaper they read the most. And they're like, oh, this is a very cool article in TechCrunch. And I'm going to check it out. So, so this is um, how we help people start conversations um, on any topic that you can think of. That's great, you know, because it is, it's really vulnerable, particularly if you've been in a relationship for a really long time, you would think that it would be the opposite, but I hear this a lot in the clinic. It gets worse. Yeah, it gets the worse, not better. <laughs> no, uh, because you have more to lose uh, yeah. from that rejection. So you are much more careful about what you say. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you're like, oh, you're 25 years together. You're really familiar with each other. You think that it'd be way deeper, but they're like, I don't want to tell them that. I don't want to tell them how I feel yeah. or I want to try this in the bedroom. I remember uh, reading an article and I got to go dig it back up, but it was a, it was a study and a survey of women and they were talking about happiness in, in marriages and things like that. And they said, you know, what makes sexual desire more positive for women, a woman is a new partner. 
And that doesn't mean that they really need a new partner. What they need is novelty, right? You know, the yeah. familiar gets old. And so, but they are too scared to talk about it. So I love, well, this, I this love is, your suggestion. So true. Um, we have a very funny, funny uh, comedian in England called Michael McIntyre. And he has some of the best family jokes because he's married, has two kids, you know, like he's probably been with his wife for 20 years. And he said, I wanted to uh, spice things up. So I asked my, he, he started with, this might be too much information, but I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, I don't think his wife was very happy about it. But he said, I asked my wife, so what do you think I should do to spice up our uh, date night? And uh, and she said, do you really want to know? Like, yeah, tell me what excites you the most. And she's like, black men. <laughs> this is a white English guy, just to give you context. And he was like, oh, what am I supposed to do about this? <laughs> like, yeah, that's a little point blank. That's not, need more context. No, she did it. ask him like 10 times, like, are you really sure you want to know the truth? He's like, yeah, 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 I'll do whatever. Like, are you really sure? I think this is the biggest challenge, you know, 20, 20 years in, you're not sure what the answer will be. And so you don't ask. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you just therefore don't ask and then you don't get your needs met or, yep. or vice versa. So, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, this is on Netflix. It's absolutely brilliant. The whole thing. I'll have to check that out out for sure. So I I really love your suggestion because it does. It's kind of, I always joke that you need rent a stranger, like when you're trying (laughs) to make lifestyle changes and things like that. Because I see a lot of women, obviously, but they want, you know, if they have a male partner, they want to bring him along for the ride. And men generally aren't as proactive. And I was like, sometimes you just need rent a stranger because that's putting you in the wrong role. (laughs) You don't need to manage his health. You need somebody else to do it. So that's awesome. So tell everybody how they can find you, how they can find your products and you know, where they can look you up online. Very simple. We're Mystery Vibe everywhere, whether it's mysteryvibe.com, Instagram, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere. We, uh, it's simple. We add mystery to your bedroom. So it's Mystery Vibe. Awesome. And if if anybody's watching, he, uh, Psalm did some demonstrations of some different products. So if you want to go on our YouTube channel and watch this, you can see some of the demonstrations of the different products. Just you know, a lot of times people aren't quite sure what we're talking about. So you can check them out. And obviously, you can check them out online as well. So thank you, Dr. Salm, for being on with us. And and everybody run out to Mystery Vibe and bring some spice back to your bedroom. And then uh, we'll see you uh, next week. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Menopause Mastery Podcast. You are why I'm here. And I am so very grateful. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode has helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray PhD and you can reach me online at BettyMurray.com.